Hello and welcome to Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where each and every week we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. I am your host, Ryan Doze, and today we have the second part of our inaugural uh, movie commentary covering the first Thor film from 2011 that introduced us to Chris Hemsworth, introduced us to Tom Hiddleston, and uh, just the whole world of Thor being brought out onto the movie screen. We have enjoyed so far what we've covered, the first half of the film, and I hope that you will stick around for the completion of our commentary today. Before we jump into the second half of our commentary though i wanted to do something that we probably should have done on the first episode of the year but i wanted to talk about the resolutions that i have for the show we have been doing this since the summer of 2021 and really when i started the show i just wanted to talk about the, the the comics and the heroes that i love and i didn't really have any specific goals for the show but now that 2022 has come around and you know it's it's the thing that we do at the beginning of every year is we set resolutions we set goals we set marks to uh to tell if we've changed a habit if we've reached a a, a plateau we 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 assess where we're at and where we want to be. So in the last few weeks, I've been assessing where Across the Bifrost is at and where I would like it to be. And I want you as the community that has been built around this show, this hero, I wanted you to know what our resolutions are. That way you can help out in any way that you feel so led to, or you can just be aware that like, I am not stopping. I'm not pausing. I am not going to slow down with this show. I love doing this show. This is my passion project, and I just hope that we can grow it as, as big as possible in the 2022 year. But here are the goals that I wanted to share with you today before we jump into the second half of our commentary. So right now, for a for a small niche podcast like we are, we have an average listenership of about 40, 40 unique listeners a week, which is awesome. If you are one of those 40, thank you so much. And this year, I really want to up that number to around 75, 80. I want to double where we're at right now. That way, more people can just be engaging with the show and we can introduce even more people around this character, you know, since we've got Love and Thunder coming out. There's going to be some 60th anniversary stuff. I know there's some new toys that are coming out later on in the year. There's a lot of new things that are going to be happening. And if we double our listenership, my goodness, like that's double the people being exposed to some uh, some specific Thor content. So, yeah, that's the kind of the goal for the number of listeners we'd like to see on an average weekly basis. And also right now we're at about 22 hundred total plays uh, which is awesome like again for a small niche podcast like we are uh we're we we are very aware that like millions and millions of downloads is probably something uh that, that for right now is out of our reach so we want to set a realistic goal for this year and that is going to be five thousand total plays we want to reach 5,000 total plays. And that can't just be me listening to it, you know, you know, 2,000 more times. So <laughs> as much as, you know, as much as I would love that, I love this. I love this show. I love listening back to our old episodes. But 5,000 total plays is what I would like to hit for this year. And then the last goal 
is one that I really want to honestly work work harder on for you as a listener. If you're an appreciator of Thor comics or Thor creators in TV and movies and all the different you know avenues that we that we've gotten this character, you'll appreciate uh, this goal. I would love to have us be visited by a Thor creator of some sort every quarter this year. So that would be at least four, four individuals who have created the world of Thor and expanded upon his world for Marvel comics, for other iterations of the Thor mythos. You know, I would love for us to have creators on the show a little bit more so we can pick their brain and get inside the mind of someone who has added value to this character in this world. So those are the goals that I have for the show this year. Again, uh, I will be here every week, you know, giving, giving you my heart and my soul when it comes to this character and his world. So that is the goals that we have set for the year. I hope that, you know, those excite you. I hope that that is something that you can get behind and that you appreciate. And one thing I know that you will love, you'll get behind and you'll appreciate is the second half of our commentary from the first Thor film. So I will, like I say, almost every episode now, I will delay no further. Here is the second part of our breakdown of the first Thor film right now. <laughs> Darcy, Darcy calling Mjolnir Mio Mio. There's so they're consulting a children's book for reference points for Asgard and the Rainbow Bridge and Thor. So, like we talked about in the first in the first part of our watch party the acting in this movie is so top notch and i feel like that's something that the mcu doesn't get enough credit for across the board it's like oh it's like funny action movies with big you know spectacles but like the acting is generally the acting in these movies is so stellar yeah and even like young no name actors like you know what chris hemsworth would have been at this point his eyes look so blue Thor's do look my gosh so what I find so funny here is that um uh Phil Coulson is breaking down like all of the different way like hey are you like a special forces person like you definitely knew how to handle yourself and like yeah. all of the guards uh Chris Hemsworth was trained for this role by a former Navy SEAL interesting so a lot of the a, a lot of the technique and the the technical aspects of him oh my gosh, it just said pager beeping <laughs> I feel like that would have been a dated reference even in 2011 a little bit but Chris Hemsworth definitely like went all the way with the technique for this role Loki, Loki showing up in the cell here. It's interesting what he's wearing. 
Why do you say that? Well, because it's not that he doesn't look good. Tom Hiddleston can pull off a suit, let me tell you. But yeah, yeah. it's just interesting because it's definitely like Earth clothes. Well, it's, so that's actually something like from from comics that Loki will do a lot when he show when he shows up. Is he like fits wherever he's showing yeah, up? Yeah. So early, it makes sense as kind of like his trickster. I'm messing with you vibe, but yeah. it's just interesting because why not show up in his armor? This this act of the movie, I think we get to see Chris Hemsworth do a lot of great emoting mm-hmm. of the the pain and the loss and the loneliness yeah. and and to some degree the acceptance of Odin's command because Loki tells him that Odin's dead so Thor is kind of processing yeah. what that will mean for him in the long run. Is he actually there, though? Or just projecting himself? I, I believe he's actually there. But, I mean, with Loki... With Loki, you never really know. And Loki just has to has to try has to try one time to lift the hammer. So is he invisible? Can other people not see him? You know that might be the thing where he's invisible, or or maybe it's you know you know he's tricking them or you know I really again with Loki it could be so many different things. Yeah, Eric's gonna. Bust Thor out of jail or shield jail, I guess. So it's kind of nuts that we've been doing this show for about 50 episodes, and I we just got to watching like watching. Thor on screen. We've done so, so much breakdown and so many comics and these movies are really the the entry point for this character for so many people. Yeah. I think if I look back on the, the episodes we've done already like maybe should have done this one a little bit earlier. But I'm glad we're doing it now with Love and Thunder coming out and planning on doing the other two movies before then. Oh, good. So I want to watch Ragnarok together. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum. And his (laughs) his fabulous Grandmaster persona. Yes. I am. I, I will say this. I enjoy every one of these movies. And... Even though Dark World is the worst MCU movie by far. See, I don't even think that's true, though. What do you think is the worst MCU Iron movie? Man 2 is near unwatchable for me. Iron Man 2 or Iron Man 3? Iron Man 2 is near unwatchable. Hmm. 
with Dark World, here's the thing. I am a Thor fan, so I am biased. I think Dark World has some of the best Thor and Loki scenes. That's 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 a good point. And I think like when Loki dies like four times and Thor gets so frustrated. Well and also when they talk about when they're on the ships and they're talking about Frigga and they're talking about their like how they they know who each other is, but they trust each like somewhere deep down they do love each other. Yeah. But they've chosen different paths. Like, I think there are scenes in that movie that are incredibly awesome, but they'll never get the appreciation that they might they might get because people just brand the whole movie as a piece of crap. Yeah, that's it, true. There are very few we'll movies. To, maybe my opinion will change when we rewatch it. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's a perfect movie. I think that I think that this movie is is better. But I enjoy every single Thorm film, and so I'm excited to, I'm excited to talk about all of them, leading up to Love and Thunder because I think Love and Thunder is going to feel very different from all three of them. Yeah, for sure. The drinking scene is so good. <laughs> we'll do these drinks and then you'll leave town. Well, he ain't going anywhere. So you think it's like apple juice or something? You know, I never know. You're talking like behind the scenes. Like, what are they actually drinking? Yeah. I, th- I never know because uh, it's probably not real beer, obviously. That would be take after take of it would just be crazy. Sometimes what they literally do is colored water. Yeah. Um, but that's a good question. Um, I think. I think that that's um, – I always like little behind-the-scenes tidbits. I mean, really, it's probably whatever Kenneth Branagh wanted to – whatever, maybe the prop, props and effects people were just like, let's do this the easy way. Loki comes back to Jotunheim, but this time knowing who he truly is. And he's weaving his master – plan so i must have missed something because in the very beginning it says that laufey died or he didn't die and he was about to die odin was about to kill him and spares him what happened that yeah so it says that he drove them all the way back to jotunheim like he basically put put his put his foot on on his neck and then was like, "Okay, we're done." Yeah, I'm gonna let you up, but we're done. And then, so in the comic book origin of Loki, that doesn't happen. Odin goes all the way, and Laufey dies. Okay, which I feel narratively might have made more sense, but then again, uh, you gotta have you gotta have a uh, you gotta have him fight somebody. <laughs> a great other. Uh, th- this kind of lays uh, this scene between Heimdall and Loki lays a little bit yeah. of a groundwork for a moment later on towards the end, where Heimdall is he respects the position 
of the ruler of Asgard. But he doesn't respect Loki like he respects Odin. Right. And so that leads to a moment later on in the film that's how he really feels about Loki. <laughs> so there was a, a, a theory going on for so long that Heimdall, because of his orange, the orange tint mm-hmm. to his eyes, that Heimdall would be connected to the soul stone. Because the soul stone yeah. is the orange stone. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been very cool, but they, they went the other way, um, you know, with <laughs> the red skull ghost <laughs> creepy guy. He f- we drank, we fought, he made his ancestors proud as Eric is just passed out. <laughs> I still don't believe you're the god of thunder. <laughs> Oh, man. But you ought to be. <laughs> oh, man. That, so this next scene is really cool because it's Jane and Thor having a moment, but they talk about the relationship between science and magic, which is really this movie in a nutshell. It's just like... Those are the two main themes and aspects of this movie, which I find so cool that they actually have a whole conversation about it. She has a lot of nervous energy around him. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> Even like some dudes are like, "Now we get it." <laughs> he's he just an he's a he's an impressive guy. Yeah. also get a little bit of a breakdown of the how the nine realms work here which is just a little bit of background which is kind of helpful when you're talking about a movie that's part fantasy world building and part right. superhero movie it's just a really good character building scene mm-hmm. for them Do they ever explain in this? I, I can't remember this. Maybe maybe some of you that are listening can shed some light on this. Do they ever explain why Shield wants her research? Is it just to explain the the anomaly of the hammer, or is it for something else? Does that does that play into Avengers at all? When they when they use the cube to when they use the tesseract. I can't remember. I, I, I honestly remember. haven't seen Avengers in so long. That movie will always have a special place, and I think movie history. Yeah. Because it was the fir- it was like the first time that all you know, these separate franchises were going to come together.
So I guess what is your favorite? What's your favorite part of this movie? It's a good question. Um, I tr- I I truly believe that the emotional hooks of this movie are whenever Odin, Thor, and Loki are together. So like the the scene yeah. the scene in the the Bifrost chamber where Thor is banished that's a great scene. Uh, later on in the movie, as they're fighting on the Bifrost, and Loki you know has his decisive moment. Anthony Hopkins and Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston together in a scene that's probably my favorite scene. Um, you know, it really anytime you also get to see the the big Asgardian set pieces. Yeah. Like whether it's a wide shot of the realm itself or even like seeing the destroyer at the end. Jotun, I just I love the visuals of this movie. Um it's as a far very as beautiful movie. Yeah, and I think I think that's another thing that the phase 1 movies don't get enough credit for is being visually representative of the film that they're doing. It, like this is a sci-fi fantasy movie. So it's it's shot like a sci-fi fantasy movie. It right. looks like it. There's not one time here that I'm like, "Man, I wish this movie looked like looked more like Captain America." Mm. Whereas like Captain America is done like a very gritty wartime, like which it's supposed to be. (laughs) It's, you know, which it is. So I think like it's done in this very like saving private Ryan band of brothers style. Um, I just love that the stylistically these movies are true to the genre, the sub genre that they're trying to evoke. Because it's first and foremost a superhero movie, right? But then there's this these underlying tones of, but also it's a lot of sci-fi and it's a lot of fantasy. Yeah. Let's go take a look. All right. Let's get into our space cars. <laughs> They're Acuras. Interesting choice. <laughs> it's it's funny how like uh, like the Iron Man movies are like Iron Man brought to you by Audi. <laughs> it's like Thor what do we got for Thor? Acura. Acura? <laughs> what? Welcome to 2011 in the auto industry. <laughs> I guess. He's like all proud of himself. I just gave other people food. Look, I'm not a jerk after all. There's one. There's one. Uh, filming like like a shot thing that I think they do a lot in this movie that I just noticed and I, maybe this was Kenneth Branagh deciding that's how he wanted it to look was there's a lot of cockeyed camera angles yeah it like is like just slightly off center yeah where mm-hmm. the landscape in the background like if you look at the horizons yeah they're they're diagonal across the the wide frame you people must be in town for the comic-con <laughs> yes, the the Comic Con in the town that maybe has five hundred people. <laughs> I think you guys. But there's mean... a great line here. Is there a Renaissance fair in town? That's funny. I was gonna go it with says, Larping next. We got we got Xena, Jackie Chan, and Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> and the Warriors Three are. I, I mean the. 
there they are. We found you. <laughs> <laughs> As they sh- they show up, just <laughs> oh my gosh, they're just so happy to see Thor, <laughs> and everybody else is just stunned. Lady Sif and the Warriors Three. you know see these little glimpses of Thor being selfless and he's like you know I he's dead you know Odin is dead and he's like I know my place and Sif gives him the information and now he is all I can think of he knows he's been lied to in the Loki TV show where Loki's in that like time warp where it keeps <laughs> replaying the time loop of Sif being mad that he cut her hair. <laughs> That's all I can think of when I see her. That was a great cameo for, for Jamie Alexander. It was. And this is that moment between Loki and Heimdall that I was talking about where Heimdall Heimdall's accused of treason. Ugh. How dare you accuse Idris Elba of anything? So Heimdall goes to strike him and then uh, the casket. Oh my the casket reemerges and Well, doesn't he look like a demon? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what that voice is. The orange eyes though. Yeah, I will say this. They they make the frost giants look very uh just creepy very, looking yeah like the, the very flat orange eyelid eye color mm-hmm. is yeah this is where i think the most accurate it looks like the seattle space needle <laughs> there's so a little bit of an easter egg thing there as they did the they do long shot down the street okay there's a big billboard on one of the buildings it's it it's a big like forest landscape and it says land of enchantment journey into mystery. Oh, Hey, Hey. So if for those of you that aren't aware, journey into mystery was the Marvel title that Thor debuted in. Tessa has joined us once again. Oh, welcome back, Tessa. <laughs> Your namesake is on the screen, Tess. There's a, there's a little reference here where the destroyer shows up in New Mexico and Coulson says, is that one of Stark's? Oh, yeah. Because the Destroyer's a big suit of armor. It looks like an Iron Man. And it looks like a, it looks like a, like a nine-foot-tall Iron Man suit. Oh, man. So Thor does the selfless thing where he's going to help people get to safety. And this is kind of the beginnings of him re-earning the hammer. You can eat later <laughs> as Eric's <laughs> evacuating people. There's the Dr. Pepper sponsorship. Uh, product placement. Little product placement there. USA Today. I wonder if. The, <laughs> yeah. Big USA Today fans. Here. <laughs> 7-Eleven. Yep. 7-Eleven. I think. I th- was it Dr. Pepper? I think Dr. Pepper had like. A series of cans that you could get. Oh, that'd be cool, yeah. Volseg Volseg takes the hit there. Mm-hmm. 
Ray Stevenson. Oh. oh man, Sif gets she jabs the destroyer through the neck. It powers it down for a work. moment. Like that's not how the destroyer oh, works. Crazy, and then it like is twisting. It like twists itself it, like, back itself around. around. It's like a weird Barbie doll. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> like a demented Barbie doll. Yep. I was gonna say about the uh, uh, because I can I just can't resist a chance to talk about Volstag. Uh, <laughs> Ray Stevenson said about his version of Volstag that it was if uh, if Volstag uh, stayed just as hungry but got sexier <laughs> <laughs> because in in comics Volstag Does he have, like is, a beer gut. Oh, it, he's he's comically monstrous. Mm. And uh, this is they put him in kind of a of a beer gut fat suit instead of a you know a morbidly obese kind of pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> so the town is just slowly being destroyed by you know the destroyer because that's what it does. I love these little character moments that he gets with Sif. Uh, throughout the fight scene and it really is sad because she loves him oh, she yeah they they highlight that in, just incredibly in the dark world and that's been a you know sit next to jane sif is probably the most prolific love interest in mm. thor's not public- valkyrie what valkyrie no you know like in in ragnarok well it would be kind of weird because Valkyrie's gay, but she's not bisexual. I don't know if canonically she is bi, but no, I would not say Valkyrie has ever been a key love interest. Is she course. considered a love interest at all? I don't believe so. Not oh, the not the main six one six version of Valkyrie. It's much more Jane and Sif are the. The main two. The main two. And then he's had little, uh, what, maybe... Flings. Or trisses. Is that a word? Triss? I'm not sure. Um, With other other individuals. So Thor is talking to the Destroyer as if he's talking to Loki. And this is the the, um, emotional moment of the film that... He he stands up for the people and he's like, you "Take me. If it's if it's revenge you want, don't take it out on these people." Hmm. He's like, "Dang it, you grew as a person." Dang it, you grew as a person. <laughs> <laughs> and backhand by the destroyer. And just his face gets all mangled up. It's not over. You have to star in Avengers next year. (laughs) (laughs) Eric's going to be there, but I won't be. (laughs) She's in a picture. She is? Yeah, she talks... Again, it's been forever since I've seen I Avengers. I want to say it's Coulson, but I'm not sure. But he's talking to somebody about where she's at, and they have her in hiding. And 
because don't because he and Tony Tony talks about Pepper. Yeah. And Thor talks about. Oh right, right, right. Okay. Like you see her face on like a computer screen. Oh, okay. So it's one of those ways to kind of like write her out of the movie, but not write her out of the continuity. Correct. Look at his little beard hairs. You can see at that angle. (laughs) (laughs) Odin is shedding a tear. And the hammer is charging up. If he be worthy. She possesses the power of Thor. Whenever I read that line in comics now, I only think Anthony Hopkins' voice. Oh, yeah. Which is so funny because I've said this a few times in, in the show that like Anthony Hopkins' portrayal of Odin is awesome, but it's not accurate. Like Odin is not as um <laughs> sage like. Right. <laughs> but now Thor has the hammer back, it flew back into his hand, and we get the transformation scene that's yeah, this is so, so cool. iconic. The lightning and everything, and even the destroyer's like, what? My God. <laughs> Jane, Jane realizing that, oh, maybe he wasn't lying at all. <laughs> and Thor just messes up the destroyer. Run away! <laughs> this is an interest, and this is a very interesting way to take care of a of a very powerful obstacle like the destroyer he basically summons this whole thunderstorm yeah almost like a almost like a like a, a tornado mm-hmm. and sucks the destroyer up into it yeah like a vortex and they have their fight in the middle of of this like him said vortex and thor jams basically that'd be the, a sweet name for a superhero by the way vortex yeah Okay. Noted. <laughs> Coming soon. And some some ambitious writer is listening From to this stolen Lukewarm podcast productions. Yeah, that's a great line, Jane. Is this how you normally look? It's a good look. <laughs> this so this kind of concludes the the New Mexico arc of the f- film. Son of, <laughs> Phil Coulson, son of Cole. <laughs> Taken, <laughs> stolen, borrowed. So this establishes Thor's connection, at least, with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. That he knows who Coulson is. <laughs> Suki, it's the finale and your body's in the way. Suki, we want to watch the final fight between Thor and Loki. So crazy orange eyes. Loki lets the ice giants back in, and they're gonna go take care of Odin. Suki just winked at me, so I'm not sure what that means. But creepy. The ice is cracking on Heimdall. 
That's just how hot Idris Elba is. <laughs> how good grief. <laughs> his hot his hot DJ skills. <laughs> no, just just his hotness. <laughs> just just his natural beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the natural beauty of the Idris Elba in the his natural. habitat. I think one of the most incredible things about this movie is believing that they fit all those people in that van. Oh my goodness, so cool. And Heimdall takes care of a few yep. ice giants. He's like, dude, I was busy. <laughs> I was murking fools. <laughs> He pulls her close to himself very assertively. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I cannot wait to see her as... I cannot wait to see her as Thor. There it is. There there it is. (laughs) Gosh, she's really going for it. I feel like she is she older than Chris Hemsworth you know how old do you think Chris Hemsworth is I'll bet he's probably in his early like right now I'll bet he's in his early 40s I I need an exact I I am gonna guess that Chris Hemsworth as of you know the first few weeks of 2022 (laughs) I'm gonna guess he's like 42 incorrect he is 38 okay okay Okay, Natalie Portman. I'll bet she's in like her mid forties. Okay, I need I need an exact. Ah, uh, forty five. She is forty. Real okay, so not they're really not that far yeah. apart. So with Laufey getting all the way into Odin's chamber, he thinks that he and Loki are still in cahoots. And this is where Tom Hiddleston really draws in to the low-key... Tricking as, everybody? As the trickster. Yeah. He he literally stabs everyone in the back. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And he's trying to he he's trying to present himself as the hero of Asgard, right? So that basically, his claim to the throne won't be challenged, right? But Thor literally just walks in the door, and he is uh, not happy. He angry. He mad, bro. He he mad at his bro, bro. <laughs> They're literally fighting over Odin's. Like over Odin's body. Mm-hmm. Over his coma. <laughs> the well, weapon that Loki uses there is Odin's Odin's like scepter spear. Thing. It's called it's the Norse name is Gungnir. It's what? Gungnir. Gungnir. G U N G N I R. I believe. Mm. And it's it's a incredibly powerful weapon on the level of Mjolnir. 
Mew Mew. So now Loki's kind of master plan of destroying Jotunheim by way of the Bifrost is taking place. And it's a really cool visual of kind of frost frost covered lightning. Uh, I kind of forgotten how cool that looks. It looks like a tree. Yeah, it looks like a, like a like a frost covered tree with big mm-hmm. old lights in the middle of it. Yeah. And the battle above in Asgard has ramifications down on Earth, and now we get, we see that crooked kind of camera lens as well. Yeah. Loki's master plan as he as he verbalizes it he literally wants Odin Odin to look at him the way that Odin looks at Thor. Yeah, he wants acceptance. It's a common kind of thing in in movies and books and all sorts of different storytelling that your hero is only as good as your villain yeah. because your villains are the ones who more often than not, have more compelling arcs. Yeah, they're the ones that propel the story forward. Yeah, so Loki, like, it's like I said earlier on in our in our watch party, Loki's main thing is very small. Like, it, it he just wants to be accepted. He knows he doesn't belong naturally because yeah. he's not a natural born as guardian, but he just wants to be accepted like Thor is accepted. Yeah. And it leads to just so much pain and like so much conflict. Anger. And then if you extend it further into the Avengers movie, he's willing to he's willing to try and conquer Earth. Yeah. Just Trying to, to prove, prove himself. himself. Yeah, Jinx. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jinx again. You owe me a Coke. I love this fight scene. Um, it's kind of the contrast of styles. It looks very Force-esque. Everybody's flying through the air. Yeah, I mean, they're they're definitely super-powered beings. I always think it's interesting seeing the, the rainbow bridge from the side, like seeing how thick it is. Because it's a literal bridge. Mm-hmm. There's, there's Thor... Thor getting tricked again and again yeah. and again and again. They know each other so well. They've literally been training against each other since they were boys. <laughs> the trick. <laughs> the trick where <laughs> Thor just puts the hammer on his chest and he waits. And Thor's going to go try and stop the Bifrost from completely destroying Jotunheim. We'll see what's going to happen. It's one of those things where he 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 realizes the um There it is, babe. Ding ding the, ding. The ding, mighty ding. Thor, yep. Yeah.
the weight of the hammer um because of its its nature it's just immensely heavy yeah um even without the enchantment and thor is contemplating here he takes the hammer back and he's contemplating in order to stop Jotunheim from being destroyed, he must destroy the Bifrost because he yeah. can't stop it. So he's got to destroy it, which means that he won't be able to go see Jane. So it's a sacrifice. Um, it's a, just a continuation of his of his humbling. And with that, oh the, my gosh! With that, the giant explosion of tidal wave. Yeah, it's it's again, this movie is built on powerful visuals. And another powerful visual of the Bifrost kind of station being taken over the edge. Odin saves both of them. Yep. So from the edge of the kind of the broken Bifrost bridge. Odin is holding his sons. And this is one of the powerful scenes I was referring to earlier. I did this all for you. Oh, man. This scene gets me every time. So emotional. Because Loki lets go. And again, the reason why Thor... Like screams no at him as he lets go. He thinks he dies. What well, and they? He does love him. Yeah. They. I mean, it is his brother. It is a sibling rivalry played out on a cosmic scale. You know, and they're they're these, you know, these god level beings, but they're 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 also they're still the boys. Yeah. That trained and played together when they were kids. It's why Thor never truly ever gives up on Loki. Yeah. It's a really pretty sunset. Yeah, again, the the wide shots in this movie are so great. Yeah. They do a good job of conveying, like, the beauty and the scope Mm -hmm. of these movies. I think one word that as the movie kind of slows down and we kind of wrap up our feelings about the movie, um, I think what this movie does really great is it it shows you a picture of the grandeur yeah. of not only Asgard, but also the grandeur of the small moments. Mm. Like how even in small little character moments or scenes from a small town in the middle of nowhere there can still be majesty and grandeur there so it's it's different kinds of the you know the 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 glory and the bigness of the moments so right there right next to (laughs) jamie alexander in that scene is uh is mr walt simonson who is a prolific thor creator from the 80s frigo's dress is really beautiful there so they're both celebrating the victory but also 
behind closed doors they're mourning the loss of Loki and yeah. I think that's the thing that Thor can't celebrate because he didn't truly win he lost Loki and he lost Jane yeah I don't remember how this ends it's been We're, so long yeah <laughs> this is I feel like a very iconic shot too yeah of, of Odin and and Thor looking out mm-hmm. beyond the edge of the city. Mm. And Thor has finally been fully humbled. Yeah. But it's it's a but it's it's not an embarrassing it's not a humiliation. No. It's well, I think it, it was at first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. His banishment is meant to humiliate him, but now he comes back confident and humble not arrogant and humiliated which is just a again the reason why i love these phase one movies is because they tell very simple stories and you know we're not worried about infinity stones yet we're not worried about we're not worried about all these other grand things it's just a story of someone becoming worthy yeah and you know, learning true humility. And there's Heimdall. Yep. At the edge of the broken Bifrost. Such a deep, almost like bellowing voice. Yeah. I love that line. Mm-hmm. Where Thor says, Can you see her? And Heimdall just chuckles and says yes. She searches for you. Mm. Cute smile there at the end. And then we roll credits. So having not seen this in so long produced by kevin feige there you are what were kind of some of the thoughts you walked away from on this viewing um i think i really enjoyed odin's parts yeah um anthony hopkins is just incredible yeah he 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 gave this movie credibility yeah from a from a uh gravitas yeah, that's point that's of a view. Great, great word for it. I also think too, like, um, like you've said probably three or four times with Thor, Loki, and Odin together. Man, I really love that combination. Tom Hiddleston is just incredible. And I was thinking about this, like, we're supposed to come away from this loving Chris Hemsworth and really the big breakout star. Was Tom Hiddleston. Was Tom Hiddleston, yeah. Um, I feel like you have way more Loki fans than you have Thor fans. And that's... Uh, of movies. In the uh, movies, Of yes. this current iteration, yeah. absolutely. And that's just... Tom Hiddleston is incredible. And they just... They play so well together, him and Chris Hemsworth. Um, Darcy's always great. Gosh, she's so funny. <laughs> they took my iPod. <laughs> took my iPod. <laughs> Um, I am now even more curious, though, to see Natalie Portman return. Um, 
and I think that's what's a little hard for me is the Thor I've seen the most is Thor Ragnarok and she's not in it. Yeah. So I don't really have like I've seen now I've seen this twice and I've only seen Dark World once. So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to watch the other ones in preparation for Love and Thunder, but also kind of see like how how it moves through Jane. More. Yeah, how they reincorporate her. Yeah. What she honestly, what she's been up to, because yeah. I mean, Dark World. I, th- I believe Dark World came out in 2014. You want me to look it up? Um, it's 2014 or 2013. Um, so she has not been in a Thor film for seven, eight years. Yeah. Uh, and for her to come back into the projects, um, you know, with this character, I think is going to be very. It's 2013. Gonna be, 2013. So it's been eight years. Um, you know, well, it'll be nine years. It'll be nine years. Nine years. Yeah. So almost a decade. And I think it's just going to be so good because, because her as an actress, she has not slowed down as an actress. No. I mean, she, she is at that point in her career where she, she can really do anything she wants. Yeah. And the, we'll talk about this throughout, you know, the build up to the film, but Taika Waititi was the reason she came back to this movie because when he pitched her King Taika <laughs> King Taika when, when when Taika pitched the movie to her he had a grand vision for her as a character yeah and I so I think almost giving her purpose like this isn't just me coming back to come back but yeah it, look at this vision that he has yeah yeah and and really there's so much that's going to come into this film and so to 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 go back to her first steps into the character was really refreshing to see because I think it'll be fun to see some of these character things, these character moments, these lines, these, these foundational building blocks get built into her now becoming more of the, the superheroic version of the character. Uh, So that's going to be really exciting. And I, I think one thing as I look back on this movie Chris Hemsworth was scratching the surface of where he would take the character. Right. And Thor it, has really developed. Yes. Like th- way through, past this. Through the solo movies and through the the Avengers films. But I will say this. One thing this movie really, really, I don't think it's enough credit for is Kenneth Branagh's his attention to detail of how these characters were going to be developed just in this movie alone, because everybody, most, most everybody has an arc, especially Thor and Loki, the two most inexperienced actors on, on the main cast. They have these massive arcs and they go right into Avengers with each other. And then we we explore the brother dynamic more in Avengers. And then in Dark World, we explore the brother dynamic again. Yeah. Like you said, these two never really get old on screen. And I think that chemistry and how they played off of each other, I think Kenneth Branagh deserves, I think he deserves a lot of credit for how this movie came across. Yeah. Speaking of Avengers and stuff, are are there any end credit scenes? Because... 
There wasn't a mid-credit, so is there a post-credit scene? I believe this one does have a post-credit scene as we're, we're kind of just watching the um, the credits, the credits roll. roll by. And so yeah. we'll stick around to the actual end of the of the, the time that Disney Plus has for this. But uh, we'll, I don't remember what the post-credit scene is for this I one. don't either. I feel like it has to be something with Loki because otherwise Loki showing up in Avengers would have been like this huge like... What the crap? I thought he died. <laughs> and I don't ever remember feeling that way. Like feeling like Loki died at the end of this? Yeah. And feeling like... Because even Thor is aware of... Like when they're like, Loki's killed 80 people in two ways. And he's like, hey, he's adopted. He's never like, but he was dead and now he's alive. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's definitely not... Pl- that moment at the end of the movie is played as a sad, like, Loki giving up on himself. Yeah. But it's never played as Loki is dying. Whereas in Dark World, they definitely play into... He's dead. He is dead. Yeah. And... One thing, so one thing I think that a lot of fans of the MCU maybe will notice but not put piece together is that Thor's story is one of intense loss. Mm. He is the he's the most powerful Avenger when it comes to raw strength and cosmic power, but he undergoes some of the most heart-wrenching moments. It was actually shot in New Mexico. Fun, fa- yep. fun fact. Well, the the town that the town that they actually built, they built it in New Mexico. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So Most that town that they're destroying location. at the end is a legit town that they build and then they, they destroyed. So, so they purposefully put a Seven Eleven there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Product placement at its finest. So Thor will uh, the, return. We're at in the, the last little thing where it says Thor will return in the Avengers, and I think there's a post credit scene here. Yep. Okay, there is. Awesome. So it's Eric Selvig. And I think this is a Nick Fury moment. Is this? Yep. Yep. Yes! Samuel L. Jackson. Man, I love Samuel Jackson. (laughs) We are. Nervous laugh. Hearing about the okay. I don't feel like Samuel L. Jackson has aged. Ever. Oh, okay. So this okay. This scene sets the stage for For why Eric is helping Shield at the beginning of Avengers. Okay, and then that obviously connects us to how Loki shows up and okay. Yeah, but it doesn't So it's the Tesseract. Right. And then there he is. He's just looking there's at There's Loki. eerie that was i completely forgot about that postcard scene he's like manipulating selvig or i he just heard it kind of whispered in his ear maybe more like that because loki doesn't have mind control over him until until avengers Avengers, right 
when he gets the that was weird though so that explains he's not dead that's what i was not dead that's what i was looking for so it just confirms that he's that also basically you know, if if the the end credit scene was gonna have another a little add on, it would been like Loki will return in the yeah. Avengers. But that concludes our first watch what? party. You, what you don't have another two hours to watch Dark World? So, it already no, pff, my goodness, <laughs> I'm, I'm tapped out. <laughs> I am tapped out. We are going to shut the watch party down. I hope that you all enjoyed these uh, these ramblings throughout the nine realms of this movie and hopefully uh, you understood most of my references yeah so that's just my language I speak in movie references yes so. yes we you should uh, check out our Harry Potter podcast if you want to hear more references muggles magic and mischief on nice podcast providers everywhere so we thank you so much for joining us for this watch party. Thanks, Kim, for doing what we always do when we watch movies. But thank you for joining me on this. Thanks uh, for having me. You're very welcome. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us on the watch party. Have a great rest of your day, evening, weekend. Whenever you're listening to this, have a great rest of your day. And don't... I want to say the end. Oh, okay. Kim wants Kim wants <laughs> to do the sign off. Kim, what do I remind people to do every time? Stay worthy, friends. Well, everybody, that is going to do it for our first movie commentary. We wrapped it up, and I hope that you enjoyed this two-part adventure through the first theatrical Thor film. It was a lot of fun to do. Had a great time recording it. I hope you had a great time listening to it. We are going to go and do Dark World in a few months, and then right before Love and Thunder, we're going to do Ragnarok. Leading up to the summer, we're going to do every Thor film in the MCU, and we might even throw out some special other appearances of Thor here and then on the uh, Patreon account. We might do the Avengers movies. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. Thor is all over the MCU. So there's a lot of fun to be anticipated with us covering his theatrical appearances leading up to this summer's big blockbuster, just monumental hit that's going to be Thor Love and Thunder. So we hope you enjoyed this first of our series of commentaries. Before we get out of here today, I want to do a Ryan Recommends. These have been really enjoyable for me just to give you a little bit of a glimpse into the other parts of my fandoms. This week, I recommend that you go watch the book of Boba Fett. If you have not watched it yet, what are you doing? You need to go watch book of Boba Fett. It is a great fun ride. The first episode is a good episode of television. The second episode is a phenomenal episode of star Wars. So you get a little bit of background and prologue in the first episode. And then the second episode really just amps up everything. You get all those warm, fuzzy star Wars vibes. It is a great show. I can't wait to see how this whole wild adventure with Boba Fett concludes in a few episodes. If you're not watching it, what are you doing? Go watch it right now. And then while you're out there, while you're out there on the internet, while you're looking for something to do, go rate review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us five stars on iTunes. Then go follow us on Spotify. You can actually engage with a rating system on Spotify now. So we would appreciate if you go do that. And then you can go join us on our social channels. Go join us at mighty Thor podcast on Instagram and go join our free Facebook group. 
It is a public group across the Bifrost. We just ask that you be kind and respectful to everybody in that group, just so we can keep it as a healthy community of Thor fans getting together and chatting about uh, Marvel's Mightiest Avenger. So be be aware of those things that we've got going on social. We're going to show you a few of the behind the scenes things that we referenced earlier on in the episode. A lot of fun stuff is going to be going up on those channels this week. So we're going to get you out of here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast. Until we see you again, dear friends, listeners, everywhere across the nine realms of this podcasting world, we remind you to stay worthy.